It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. This is another episode of Frontline Friday with my special and regular, regularly special guest, Bridget Gleason. How are you doing? I always like to hear, Andy. I listen expectantly <laughs> with how you're going to introduce me. So you changed it up a little bit, which I appreciate. Yeah. Regularly special guest. Yes. Thank well, you. I mean, that's, 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 that's a compliment. Huh? You're bringing it every time. Right on. Right on. So... How are you today? I am doing super. I'm actually today, Andy, working from my former office with my former peeps. Big shout out to my Yeswear peeps. I'm in their San Francisco office. I had some meetings up here today, so really happy to be uh, back with the gang. Yeah. Gosh, we're going to have to charge them for this, this advertisement we just gave them. Uh, send, I know. They make, deserve it. I'll send Matthew a bill. Um, so... Yeah, shout out to Yesware for supporting Accelerate. We really appreciate it. That's right. And uh, anything else in your universe? Now, can we talk about your travel coming up or no? Sure. Actually, because by the time this airs, your travel will have been in the past tense. I know. I've got, uh, I am actually going to Tel Aviv. Nice. So I'm going to go out and meet with a company out there, which I'm very excited about, who shall remain nameless for now. And then you're and, going to spend some time on your own traveling oh, around. Oh, I know. I'm going to take a walking tour of Jerusalem, and I'm going to spend some time. in. T- I've, I've wanted to go to Israel for quite some time, so I'm very excited about this trip. And then I come back for a couple of days, and then I'm heading to Mexico with a friend. So uh, I'll be in Mexico for a bit. So I'm going to take a little vacay. I guess. I guess. How lucky. I feel super lucky. I feel lucky and grateful. Well, that's good. And you've got some travel coming up, too. Yeah, just going to Maui. Just Hawaii, I know. Yeah, just Maui. Old hat, old hat. <laughs> Big deal. Big deal. Yeah, no, it's, I'm excited. As we've, I don't know if we've mentioned Yeah, so every year, for the last several years, it's been, become a tradition with my sister. We go to Maui, and we run the Maui Half Marathon. It's amazing. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, A, the fact that, as I like to say, we survived to do it again another day. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a fun run. I mean, a fun race, fun run. It's, it's yeah, it's on Maui, fun, first of all. <laughs> as fun as it can be. As yeah. fun as running a race can be. It's, yeah, as fun as running 13 miles can be. Uh-huh. Um, it's... You start at five in the morning. It's a flat course. Um, weather is pretty perfect for certainly the first half of it before the sun starts coming up. But um, yeah, yeah, there's not many other places I think where you could do that and sort of combine the the scenery with the the event. So something to look forward to. So if yeah. Um, <laughs> the sign of whether it's a success is whether we're here next week talking. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, will everybody pay attention. If suddenly it's gone, it's you know, gone. You'll know check, why. Check That's the right. Maui news. Check the obituaries. Something right. Happens. Something yes. happened to Andy. 
So we've got enough episodes stocked up, though, that uh, we could go for a while. So anyway, so that's that. We're heading off uh, tomorrow. Again, by the time this airs, we'll been in the past. We'll we'll talk about the results when we get back. Fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, gosh, to kick things off here today, uh, another listener question. We're starting to get listener questions now fairly regularly. So this is from Jay, who says... Uh, uh, my manager doesn't believe in one-on-ones, and I don't feel like I'm getting enough feedback on how I'm progressing. So Jay doesn't say it, but I presume he's, he's perhaps a little bit new. Uh, with my boss, it's all about the metrics. So how do I approach him about getting guidance on what I need to do to get better, to improve? Because he feels like he's on an island trying to figure it out by himself. Okay, that is a great... Uh, one-on-ones are not a religion. It's not something that you believe in or don't believe in. Okay, so that uh, that's funny to me that his manager doesn't. His manager isn't holding one-on-ones with him. I guess he's just uh, yeah looking at the metric dashboard and seeing how people are doing. Figures that's enough. Well, I think the whole reason to have a metric dashboard is so that you can coach people. What a shocking idea. I know. I know. Gosh, Andy, you know, his manager sounds like he needs to be persuaded to give. <laughs> to use the, the theme of the, our previous episode. Theme of our previous episode. Persuaded um, to hold one-on-ones. But the, the reason for metrics is, is, is to be able to coach. I think that one of the primary to show To show what possibilities exist for coaching and improvement. That's exactly right. right. And, and I think that's one of the primary responsibilities of a manager is coaching. Being a good, effective coach is a really important, really super important. Well, I have to admit, I've been at a sales conference where a speaker, not this long ago, just a matter of months, where a speaker who, you know, is VP of sales at a relatively high-profile SaaS company, basically poo-pooed one-on-one, said they're dead. And I thought, really? That's where my ears you know, perked up. It's like, well, what do you do instead? And what, 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 what do they do instead? So well, they're dead, they, you just it, it wasn't really sink or swim? Yeah, well, no. I mean, it, it's like it wasn't really clear. And so I was trying to really understand. Maybe they do more coaching than they let on. But it's just that sort of leading with that line. It's like, hmm. Now, certainly I can see if yeah, some people might believe that uh, one-on-ones, if it's just given over to sort of a detailed deal review or something, yeah, maybe that's not as productive perhaps as they want. But a one-on-one for a coaching purpose seems, even if you have can supplement it with you know technology that enables you to to you know do more coaching or a more specific type of coaching, it's still really important. So I guess for Jay though, how I think we're in violent agreement. Okay, so how do we get him to? How do we help him to how approach his boss? How do we help him to approach his boss? Because he obviously thinks that they're uh, important as well. So uh, what would you say? Well, I think the first and most direct, which he may have already done, is to ask for them. I need I need help specifically with this. Jay can look at his own metrics and say, hey, I, I, don't, I don't feel as confident as I'd like to feel doing a demo. Can I get your advice? Can I get 20 minutes? And maybe he just needs to call him something different. 
okay, you don't believe on one-on-ones. How about I need a meeting for you to help me close more business? It's a great idea. So be proactive, Jay, is what Bridget's saying. Be proactive. And if your manager doesn't believe in one-on-ones, then just schedule them yourself. Maybe, there's, some, maybe there's something about the name that, that he doesn't like. And as she said, have a very specific agenda that you want to try to accomplish during that meeting. Yeah, and maybe it's a one-on-ones if they're, you know, if there's some checklist of things and they just, it's, there's not a specific purpose or uh, agenda. Yeah, I can see how somebody would say these aren't, these aren't worth my time on both sides. But if, I, I think the more specific and, as you say, to be proactive, um, my guess is, that your manager will start to come around and will won't decline those meeting requests. Yeah, I mean, if the manager doesn't believe in them and is not proactively scheduling them, then I think the approach Bridget talks about here is Jay is is right on, which is you're demonstrating initiative, which is something I think the manager would probably probably really approve of. You're demonstrating the initiative to go to him and seek guidance on how you can get better. Right. Uh, that I mean, I would as a sales manager, I would always like that. You know, if sales, salesperson approached me and said, "Look," uh, and I would always do one on ones. But if they said, in addition, you know, hey, I I want input on what I could do to improve my demonstrations or whatever. Yeah, I'd I'd like that. I'll spend time. If somebody wants to invest in developing, then I'm going to invest some of my time along with them. Right. So yeah, actually, it might be even better this way for you. Jay, in some respects, if you approach them and, and do it on a semi-regular basis. Because, again, thinking you're taking initiative-type people, especially if you can match that with your, your outcomes and your achievements, that uh, puts you in a pretty good light. Yeah, I, like you said, it may end up being that Jay will also get more out of it with a structure and format and cadence that he requests as mm-hmm. opposed to just having them come up whenever or whatever regular uh regularity or frequency and with the topics that a manager might so it could end up being a blessing in disguise yeah and so maybe what you do is you you take your sales development tool that you're using you know outreach or sales off something and yeah make your boss a prospect create a cadence (laughs) you're gonna you're gonna email them every every four days there you go (laughs) and uh yeah you have a tool there to support it there you go. Great idea. Yeah. See, and you thought that was just for customers. Huh. Huh. So, today's topic is ambiguity. You know, we're so structured these days with our sales approach. We got tightly defined processes. I mean, the goal is for companies that have tightly defined processes. Uh, we have salespeople that are increasingly specialized in the skill set and the the things that they do, the responsibilities they have, they're scripted, you know, and go down so on and so forth. But, you know, life doesn't really conform to a script very frequently. And as the old what, Chinese expression, or some expression, God laughs at those who have plans. Um, so, yeah. so I'd heard a lecture once, years and years ago, from this business school professor about ambiguity and how... You know, as we get into this life where it's increasingly busy and people are increasingly dis- increasingly distracted, and even though we might have a, a process for how things are supposed to, to happen, they rarely, you know, life rarely conforms to the script. And so we're 
in these put in these situations where what should happen next, what needs to happen next, what somebody wants to have happen next, yeah, it's all very ambiguous. And so I think learning how to I want to talk about how we how we help people sort of deal with those situations of ambiguity because I think that that the ability to to see your way through ambiguity, to deal with ambiguity, to tolerate it, is really a differentiator for an individual. Yeah, I definitely see that as a requirement for anyone who's working in a startup. Oh yeah. You know, you've got to be able to to tolerate the gray, and not not I tolerate's the wrong word. To to navigate and thrive in gray doesn't mean you always like it but that you can be productive in uh when there's ambiguity around you because there's often a lot of it and like she said things don't sales doesn't always proceed along a straight predictable line as much as we'd like it to it doesn't and so how do you how do you deal with the ambiguity that's out there and continue to move forward, I think, is, is definitely an important skill. Yeah, and it's, it's uncertainty is just, is just part of life. And so you think about instances when you're selling where uncertainty is really uh, sort of the norm. And I think, think about, gosh, what's the next step we should be taking with this prospect? <laughs> right? That oftentimes, in an ideal sense, you'd have that always well-defined you know, before that, before the end of the next step, you know what the next step should be, but in a lot of cases, that's just not not true, right? In some cases, it's not even possible. So, understanding what you're going to do in that next stage, where there is a lot of ambiguity, really becomes critical for you. Yeah, and I I think one of the things that I think about in situations that are uncertain or ambiguous is not trying to define too far out. So in a sales situation, you may know that the end goal is to make this sale. But the path and the steps between here and there may be uncertain. And there could be some ambiguity. What I've done, because I've I've primarily sold in in and for startups, is look for what is... what. What is a logical next step that I can have as my goal? So what's, what's, my, what's my next step? And oftentimes, what are some good possible next steps? Because a lot of times, there's not just one right answer. And how am I uh, fluid and flexible but keep moving towards the, the goal and the objective? Yeah, so I mean, one scenario that comes up quite a bit is... is you have responsibility for prospect for new new prospects, new customers, and you've got a pretty tightly defined ideal client profile, ICP, some personas, and you know you come across people that maybe just aren't an exact fit, but they clearly maybe in terms of the the uh, ideal target profile, but they are perhaps an exact fit for your product or service, and I see. Sales reps, you know, struggling with this all the time. What what do I do? Now, how much time should I spend on these people? What how do I make this decision? And it, this falls into that gray area. And oftentimes managers don't help a lot because, you know, they've got numbers to meet too. And oftentimes, you know, 
yeah, if that if that works and we can get that deal, let's let's get that deal. Yeah, and and like you said, it's not always black and white. Yeah, it's not black and white. And I mean, that's you get that with that ideal client profile. You get uh, qualification. You know, with Bant is if you use the Bant model, let's say, uh, for qualification, and you know, someone that you think is a great fit, and even experienced salespeople that you know, somebody's just not grabbing at every deal, but somebody that's that's saying, okay. Uh, gosh, if I don't deal with this person, maybe it's somebody that my competitors are really going to deal with. We're going to lose this opportunity, but they're, you know, maybe they don't have the timing, maybe not quite right. But I do want to, I do want to work it. But I'm being push pulled. You know, that's suddenly the normal sales environment is just rife with ambiguity about what should you be doing. And so it it really calls the question is to me is how much leeway, and you can answer this question. Bridget, is, is how much leeway do your sales professionals have, your individual contributors have, to sort of make those decisions, to take initiative in the face of ambiguity, if even if it runs the risk of running a little bit counter to either your ICP or your qualification methodology or whatever? You know, I give room. I leave room. I, I think there's... I heard a great uh, distinction. We, we talk about being data-driven, and I read something that really we don't want to be data-driven. We want to be data-informed. You still need the human element of judgment. And so I would say with my reps, I, like, I want them to be data-informed against the ICP or against uh, whatever signals they're getting. But I'm not just, it's not as cut and dried as being data driven. So, where I explore is I want to know how they're thinking about it and I want to understand their thinking. And if their thinking is sound and it makes sense, why they continue to pursue perhaps an opportunity that's a little bit out of a norm, go for it. I, I look for trends though. I mean, there are people that are always chasing the unicorn and it never happens. Mm-hmm. You know, so so I do look for trends. Does this person normally do that or not? And there are some reps that, that they don't do it very often. And so when they do, I really pay t- attention. I think there's something here that they sense. I'm going to let them go with it. Sometimes I let them go with it because that the best way for them to learn that this is a waste of time is to go waste time. And again, I don't do it all the time, but sometimes the best way for them to learn is let them waste time. Yeah. Well, I, I worked for a CEO in one startup who actually was was really excellent at that. I mean, he he was he was prepared to let you lose deals in order to learn. So it forced you to deal with ambiguity yourself, right? And he's, and he's new as a learning experience. Because, you know, the ambiguity forces you to listen. That's think, right. And I think that's really the thing for for sales professionals when you're listening to this is that you, you, yeah, you may have a process, but the fact is very rarely, I think, do prospects 100% coincide with your process and the way they buy. So there's that, always, there's, Wouldn't that be great if they did? Yeah. I wish they would just follow the directions. Yeah, why can't they just follow I, the rules, I know, right? I don't follow the directions. I'll Come give them on. directions exactly how it's going to be. Yeah, what? They don't really go for that, unfortunately. That should really wow. be your first your first sales call, right? 
So, Mr. Prospect, if you want to buy from me, this is what you have to do. No, Mr. Prospect, you will buy from me, and here's how it's going to go. And here's how it's going to go, right? Let's just, let's just be self. Let's just be directive right. at the beginning. That, that's true. I was too soft. That's exactly. I know. Right. Too soft. Too soft. So, um, but yeah, it's so it doesn't really conform. So there is all this inherent ambiguity. Is you have to listen. This really puts the premium on this. This being in the moment, really paying attention to what the prospect says, not looking ahead to the next step in your process, not listening, not looking ahead to the next question you're going to ask. I was listening to a recorded call some reps made yesterday, and they're asking questions, good questions. This is a little digression, but they're asking reasonably good questions, but they never asked a follow-up question. And so every time the customer responded, their response was, Hmm. Okay. And then they'd ask their next question. <laughs> so they weren't listening. And yeah, I can't you're gonna, tell you're, you how you're much miss, I hear you're, that. And you're gonna miss the opportunities that the customer is really out there. Yeah, you know, they they're putting the answer out there. Ideal situation, they're saying, I really want them to ask me another question because we want to talk more about this. And you deprive them of that opportunity if you just say, hmm, interesting, and move to the next one. You're you're not paying attention. There's this opportunity that exists I, I like to say the opportunity exists in ambiguity and if you're just like all your competitors and you're just blasting through your script and your questions you're going to miss that but if you've listened and you catch the ambiguities then there's an opportunity then you drill down on it ah, then you've done something that your competitors haven't done and you're suddenly in the, the winning position it's also just more interesting uh, for me, well, that's, that's I, true. <laughs> gosh, I just think about let's talk about the human element of selling and me wanting to make sure that I enjoy the hours that I spend in my job listening and and hearing what they have to say. And part of the ambiguity is is actually what makes the whole thing for me interesting and rewarding and challenging. Is if it were if I could just proceed like a robot. It's I said to somebody the other day that I'm not looking for paint by number. Just always do it the same way. Put red there, put green here. I need some room to paint outside the little lines. And and I think I, again, I'm, I don't necessarily want my sales reps creating a whole new canvas because we're marching down a certain path. But I do feel that there should be room. To be creative and to listen and to um, just sort of be in this dance with this prospect or customer. And that's what's really enjoyable. You, you'll have better results, first of all. So you'll win more, which is fun. But there's so much ambiguity. Learning how to make, turn that into a positive, I think, is the real trick. Yeah, well, I think that... that um yeah, I was, I was sort of losing my train of thought for a second. <laughs> but I think that you sort of look at it as like improvisation. Yes. And, and that's what the ambiguity that's what the ambiguity does, right? Is is you're in, I had a guest on the show named Kathy Sallet who teaches improv and has written a great book about how you incorporate improvisational techniques into your into your selling, into your business world, and encourage people to go back and, and listen to that episode because it's a fascinating conversation. And she talks about you know how we're building you know with you, if you have this ambiguity in improv 
is there's tons of ambiguity, right? You don't know where anybody's going to go, what the, other than a, a situation that starts. And maybe jazz is the same way. If you're a couple of players and you're you're jamming, you're sort of riffing off what the other person has done before, and improv, you're doing the same thing. Is you're sort of taking a chance, but you have to really pay attention and listen, mm. and be open to the answers that you might be hearing, the information you're getting, and then build on that. Yeah, because it could take it in a different, a slightly different direction. And that's where the winning opportunity is, because and that's we've where talked the winning in opportunity right, is. previous episodes and I've talked with other guests is, is if you can take the information you learn from the customer, take the data you've learned about them doing your research, the insights you may have, and synthesize that into a vision of what what it is that's a great solution for them. You know, that's that's the place you want to be, and it's really in the ambiguity I think with the uh, the prospect and in the, your your process that you find those those uh, niches, let's say, that stand out that, yeah, and uh, to some degree, you can start to say it's a little bit like the challenger, you're sort of challenging some of the paradigm, but you can't do that if you're not listening. Really hard to. Really hard to do that if you... (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah, she just like talked right over me. That's even better. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. That's a great sales technique. Talk right over the prospect. That's right. So, yeah, I apologize. I was trying to put my cheap joke in there. No, it was good. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. The pat on the back, Andy. That was very good. Um, So, okay. Well, so, I guess at the end of the day is that if your prospect doesn't quite fit your ideal customer profile, but you know they're fit and you know they're qualified, then you don't necessarily need to throw them back. No, you have to be skilled at being able to still move them through a process. But yeah, there's, and that's a great example. There are, I'm sure, you know, countless others. And yeah, you you want to you want to weigh that against sort of the the time it might take to close it to close a deal and the likelihood and just these internal judgments that you might make. But again, that's where that's where the human judgment comes in. That's why I don't believe that salespeople are going to replace be replaced with robots or scripts or anytime soon because there still is that human judgment that's required um, in making some of these calls, making some of these decisions. Okay, so you're you're a believer. I'm a believer in people. I'm a believer in people, hundred percent. I'm a believer in people. I agree. I mean, I think the without you know digressing too far, I think the reports and of how many sales, business to business sales, people are going to lose their jobs over the next five years. Yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned about that. As long as you're taking the steps you need to to continue to be, you know, a value provider for your prospects. I mean, if you're just going to stay stagnant, then you're going to get washed out anyway. That's right. It has nothing to do with the way the industry is involving. That's right. Um, but, yeah, yeah, you need to uh, pay attention and do what you need to do to keep getting better. But as long as you're doing that, as long as you're staying ahead of the curve with regard to your prospects, then you'll be in a good position. Agreed. Wow. So Agreed. We've reached the end of another episode. Uh, we want to encourage people to continue to submit email questions because we've had some some great questions submitted, a good one 
uh, today from Jay and that we eventually got around to answering. <laughs> and um, yeah, it it actually it sort of ties in with the whole topic about ambiguity is that that you need to be able to advocate. You need to take the initiative, right? The ambiguity is an opportunity for somebody to take the initiative. Jay's question was, yeah, not getting the proactive mm. coaching from his manager. Well, self-advocate. Go in and you know ask That's for right. the guidance and demonstrate the initiative. And in both cases, I think with your boss and certainly with the customers, at the end of the day, you'll be rewarded. All right, so long story short, submit your questions to andy at zerotimeselling.com. And we will answer them on the air. Uh, we'll choose some to answer. And uh, Bridget, you're off. Yes. No, the, 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 our listeners probably won't notice a break since we uh, record do, a little bit in advance. We record a little in advance. Yes. And Andy, looking forward to hear how, how the half marathon goes. Yeah. Well, mine pales in comparison to your big adventure. So have a good time. Fly safe. I'm sure everybody wishes you well. And Friends, again, thank you as always for listening to us and giving us some of your time here on a Friday. That's and right. we'll look forward to talking to you next week. All right. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com. <laughs>